John chapter 5, verses 24 through 29 was read in your hearing. I think I'm just going to focus on one verse. Verse 24. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Really simple truth in one way and sometimes complex in another. I want to talk about just focusing on hearing is not enough. Hearing is not enough. John chapter 5 is on the backdrop of Jesus healing this man at the pool of Bethesda. Of all the people, you've heard me say it many times, and I'm just going back and coming forward. Of all the people that were at that pool at that time, and there were hundreds, maybe even thousands of people waiting for the stirring of the water. Of all those people that were there, Jesus walks into this place, and he singles out one man who had been there for 38 long years. And if you read through from chapter, verse 1 of chapter 5 on down through there, you find out that he was waiting for somebody to help him get to the water because every year at a certain time the water would be stirred and they believed that the person who was able to get to the water when the water was stirred would be healed of whatever illness, disease, whatever they had going on. So this place was always crowded with people waiting for that moment. Jesus picks out one man, one guy that had been there for 38 long years. Jesus walks in and asks him a simple question. And many times, it, for those of you who don't, uh, have never been to our Sunday school classes or even on Wednesday nights, one of the things that a lot of times comes up is the parallel between people back then and people today. Jesus asked the man a simple question. Would you, basically he's asking, would you like to walk? The same question Jesus asked that man that was at the pool is the same question Jesus asked of people today. Do you want to walk? Not the physical walking that we do, but he's talking about the spiritual aspect of our walk. That's what Jesus is really talking about. He asked this man, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Jesus asks that question of every single person that's alive today. Do you really want to be made whole? Do you want to walk? Do you want to be healed of whatever it is that you have in your life? Now, who would not want to be healed? If something's bothering you, if something is involved in your life, if you're not able to walk or you have whatever in pain, if somebody simply asks you, do you want to be made better? I don't know too many people that would say, well, no, I don't. I'd rather stay where I'm at. I'd rather be in pain. I'd rather not walk. I'd rather not be able to bend. I'd rather, rather my arm hurt or my heart aches. I bet if I asked Brother Tony, if they was asked the question, uh, sir, do you, want to make, do you want to be better so that your heart would work better? I don't think he would say, no, just leave me like I am. You know, I just want to stay where I'm at. No, he didn't get out. They told him, basically, if you don't come today, you got a problem. And that's what many times we come to the church, we come to Christ, we are involved in, in, in spiritual things, that the question is, do you want to be made whole? And the answer should be yes. 
and don't, don't postpone what the Lord wants to do. He says yes. The Lord simply at his word said, take up your bed. Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And at the, at the voice, at the command of Jesus, the man stood up, rose up, folded up his bed, and began to walk. He had to get in the water. He just got up. But you know, you always have people who are around who are naysayers. Those people who are like, I don't know why he, why did he, why did Jesus do that? Does he not know what the day is? The day is the Sabbath. Okay. And he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Well, you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath day. You know, they were more concerned that the man got up and walked than they were about the man being healed. Now, this story is interesting because there's two parts to this. He was physically healed, but he missed the point of what Jesus was trying to do. Because somebody said, well, Jesus healed him, and he came to Christ, and he knew God, and he lived for God, and he went to heaven and all that. No, no, the text doesn't, the text doesn't say that. It doesn't say that he came to Christ and believing who he was. He took what he did for him and moved on down the road. Because later on, this same man turns around and says, they were asking, who, who did this? Who, by what means are you now walking? Who was the man that did that? And, they, and he said, oh, that man right over there, Jesus, he's the one. They pointed, he pointed them out. So my question to us today is, we're talking about hearing is not enough. In this whole chapter, and, and, and the key, one of the keys is that when Jesus did this on the Sabbath, verse 16 says, you want to know why they wanted to kill Jesus? You want to know why that today is Palm Sunday and they were celebrating who he was? But how could these same group of people do to Christ what they did in a few days? Verse 16 tells you the answer. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They didn't get it. They accused him of doing works on the Sabbath and that he equated himself equal to God. And he could do that because what? He was God. In the beginning, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace, mercy, and truth. So he is God. And we talked about last week, if you honor the Father, you have to honor the Son. If you honor the Son, you have to honor the Father. You cannot pick out for all those people who say, I believe in God. Great. If you believe in God, then you got to believe in Jesus. Because I and the Father are one. So if you say, for all those say, so if they say, well, no, no, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. Well, then you haven't done anything. Because you can't have one without the other. For they are together, and really they're three in one. The honor of the Father is the honor of the Son, the honor of the Holy Spirit. The honor of the Holy Spirit is the honor of the Father, the honor of the Son, and the honor of the Father is the honor of the Son. I mean, however you want to do it, they're all three. One God, three distinct personalities. Amen? So I don't get excited. I mean, people think, you know what, Pastor, you're so hard on some stuff. It's not that I'm hard on some stuff. It's that it's the truth of the Word of God. I don't get excited when somebody says, I believe in God. Oh, that's wonderful that you believe in God. But that's not anything special because the demons and the devils believe in God. So for you to say, and I to say, I believe in God, is nothing special and great. But do you know the God that you believe in? There's the difference. I believe in God. That could be a mental ascent of a higher power. 
That could be a mental ascent. Well, there's some force out there in the universe that created. Well, God is not a force. God is not, not, not just something that's floating around. God is spirit, yes, but he's also truth personified. He is God. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's sovereign. He's holy. He's righteous. His providence. All that makes up who God is. Somebody says, why do, well, how do I know what, how, what is right and wrong? We know what's right and wrong because it's in the book. His word has been left. He didn't leave it up to man to figure out what was right and wrong. Because man is too fickle. You wonder what truth is? You find it in this book. That's where it's at. What makes some things right and some things wrong? It's God's word. It's not my word. It's not your word. It's not how I feel about it. It's not what I think. But it's what God has already left on record for us. That's what is true. So there it is. They wanted to kill him. Jesus talks about he is equal to God in his works, creation. They were all three there. The Bible says in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And he says, let us, later on, let us, plural, make man. Who's the us? God Father, God Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is equal to God in his works. All the things that God has done, he's allowed his son to do the very same things. I read something interesting this past week when I was looking at this. When God gives life, he gives life over a span of time. Jesus was given, was given the same ability to give life, but if you notice, Jesus was able to give life instantaneously. Some things God has done may have taken time. The same God in Christ is the same God that's able to do it instantaneously. So when God, when God created life, and for most of us it was a nine-month journey, Jesus is able to create life just like that. When God resurrects somebody in Christ, it's an immediate event. Lazarus, come forth. He didn't have to wait. He came back up out of the grave. Why? Because at the voice of God, who is Jesus Christ, he got literally got up out of the grave at the voice of Jesus. And guess what? There was a time, if you're saved today, there was a time in your life that God spoke to you and said, whatever your name is, get up. Come, follow me. And in obedience, you should have gotten up. And from that point on, be willing to follow him. But you didn't just, you know, you just didn't sit in church one Sunday and say, you know, I think it's going to be good. It's good that I be a Christian. No, no. You can't decide that. You have a part to play in it, but you don't sit there and go, I think it's good that I, I think it's good I go, I join the church. No. God has to work on your heart. God works on your mind. He gives you the ability to know that you need him. For without that, you would never come. Because if you would have, if you had that ability, you would have came to Christ sooner than you did. So that speaks to the fact that you and I need God's, you hath he what? Quickened, made alive. God has to make us alive so that we sense that we know that we need Christ in our life. Because we don't have a sense to know that without God working on us. That's why he talks about, that's why hearing is not enough. That's why he talks about it comes through the hearing of the word of God. Notice what Jesus says here in verse 25. 24, I'm sorry. He says, truly, truly. I say to you, whoever, that's any of us, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me 
has eternal life. Jesus has said this a couple of times. I think he says this three times throughout this from, 20, from verse 19 all the way to verse 29. He starts out a statement by saying, truly, truly, verily, verily, the King James will say, verily, verily, truly, truly, certainly, certainly, however you want to put it, Jesus is getting ready to say a truth that he wants everybody that's hearing his voice, he wants everybody to be able to say, all right, what's he going to say next? So he says, this is the truth. This is something you need to hear. Truly, truly, I, Jesus, say to you, all the people that were there, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people that were there at the, at the pool there and around the, the, the colonnades and all that, whoever hears my word, there it is, but also and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Hearing is not just enough because he says you can hear it, but you also have to believe. It's not enough to be within the hearing of the word, but we must also attend to it. That is, hear and obey. It's a fixed rule of our faith and practice. Hearing, you're hearing my voice. But what ought to be happening is that the Spirit of God is taking the sounds that are coming out of my mouth. You're hearing the sound, but also the words ought to be moving on the altar of your heart so that you really hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say to you as an individual and to all of us as a collective body. Hear and obey. Somebody, the songwriter kind of picked it up when he said, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to what? Trust and obey. You've got to hear it, but after you hear it, you also have to, and I also have to, obey. That's where many of us mess up. We hear it, we give a mental assent to it, but the hard part of it is obeying what the Word of God says. Because some of us are like, well, I know that's what the Bible says. But we use that three-letter word, but. But. Well, Pastor, I know, I, I you know, it, 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 it's funny. Sometimes my wife and I be watching shows. We watched something the other day. Uh, they're doing a wedding thing for uh, on NBC. Some couple just won a, a prize of them having their wedding paid. It's based on the my big fat Greek wedding or whatever it is. Anyway, they're getting their wedding, all their stuff free, gowns, rings, everything. And... Uh, Sheila says, so evidently they're already living together, even though they're not married. I said, yeah, they're living together. That's the norm now. That's acceptable. Not just in unsaved people, but in, 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 in the church. We don't think anything about it. People can live together. Do, it's nothing wrong with that. So we say. But the Bible has not changed. God still says, by the way, before you live with somebody, before you start playing house with somebody before you start having children with somebody. The Bible, the Word of God says you really should be married before you get involved in all that thing. That's a really a good thing. That's really the best thing. But we don't believe that. But that's what we're saying. That's the Word. But, Pastor, I know the Bible says that, but we love each other. We're, we, 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 we want to be together. And marriage can come after. We put the cart before the horse. It's like buying shoes, Pastor. You know, you make sure the shoes fit now. You know, you got to try them on, and if they are too tight or too loose, you know, and working out, then I can get out of it. No, no harm, no foul. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible still says do it right. 
Don't have the marriage bed be undefiled. That's what it says. Now, like I said, some of you don't believe it. Some of us don't believe it. Because we're going to say what they say here. He says, whoever hears the word and believes in him. So you, you know, I will hear different truths that come forth. And that's just, that's just one. It's a lot of other things. We're, our bodies are going to be the temple of God. We know that. But do we treat our bodies as the temple of God? Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. I'm not going to get into the rightness and wrongness of what we do. Sometimes, well, you know, it's wrong to smoke. Well, yeah, that's true. It's not really good for you. But there's that word. But, Pastor, I know my body is a temple. There are things that we would do to our body that's a temple of God that we would never, ever do in the actual house of God. You would never, it would be hard to find a person that he'd have to be a true heathen unconverted, messed up person that says, you know what, I have no problem walking to any church or any house of God, synagogue, and lighting up and smoking my cigarette. This is my right. I don't see no harm in that. And many of us go, I can't believe he's smoking a cigarette in the church, in the building. And in the, we have people who have done that here, in the, in the bathrooms and stuff. And uh, I just don't, they're wrong. Well, guess what? This is a physical building. Oh, by the way, your body is the temple of God. How much more wrong is that? You're going to balk at somebody smoking here, but you're going to do it to yourself, which is the temple of God? They're both wrong. But, there's that word, but. Hearing and believing. Now, here's the part about believing. Somebody says, I believe in God. Is that that you believe, I said a moment ago, a higher power, a spirit, a force? Or do you actually believe in the God of this book from Genesis all the way to the end? That God spoke and it came into existence. That God created everything that we have. That's the God we're talking about. Do you actually believe in the God of who the Bible, the Word of God talks about? Or do you just believe in God? Is it something that we do in our mind? Or has it really taken full force and root in our life? That we are totally wrapped up in the things of God. We got, I think what Brother Mill said, we got, I can't help it. If you ask me where I'm going to be on a Sunday morning, I already can tell you where I'm going to be on a Sunday morning. I will be in the house of God. Why? Because that's my, that's my bent. That's where I'm at. You ask me what's happening on Wednesday, I already know where I'm going to be on Wednesday night. I'll be here on Wednesday night unless something comes up, emergency or something happens. Any other time, I will be here. I don't, you don't have to ask if I'm going to be here. Sunday school, I will be here. Church services, I will be here. Why? That's who I am. Everything about my life centers on God. Everything about my life centers on the truth of God's word. I try not to do, I do the best of my ability to pray about every single thing that's involved in my life. Everything. From praying for my furnace to Pray for my sons as they're going to school and getting education. Pray for Sydney. Pray for my wife. Oh, everything about my life centers on God and his word and my desire to live for him 24-7, 365 days of the year. Everything, every decision you and I ever made ought to be centered on the things of God. God, is it your will that I take this job? God, is it your will that I marry this person? God, is it your will that I buy this car? What is your desire? We don't think like that. 
but we should hear and obey. It's a fixed rule of our faith and practice. Second part of our, we are to believe on him that sent him. Who sent Jesus? God. God sent his son into this world to bring us back to him. The coming of Christ wasn't just God's sole purpose of sending his son wasn't to save us. That's part of it, but that's not the sole primary purpose of Jesus coming into the world. The sole primary purpose of Jesus coming into the world is to bring us back to God. That God and man will be reconciled back together. And in that reconciliation, it's us coming to God. But the primary reason Jesus came into the world was not about us. It's about his obedience to the Father. And you see that in five, chapter 5, and so in the book of John and other, other gospel books, that everything Jesus always said, he gave recognition to the Father. Everything. He gave recognition to God. Why? And he even tells us, I have come that God the Father and I might be one, but I also come that you might know who God is. And how are we going to know who God is? It's by what Christ does, has done for us. So we're to believe on him who sent him. And we're to take that belief and to manifest his glory. How many of us manifested the glory of God this past week? I was talking to somebody this past week, and I said, oh, maybe I don't know what it was. It was Wednesday night. I said, you know what? We really ought to be coming to the altar asking God to forgive us every single Sunday from the pulpit to the door. Because you're not going to tell me, and you definitely cannot tell God, that you and I do not cross paths with somebody along life's journey in a seven-day week from last Sunday to this very present moment that you lived your life and did not come across one single person that you could not tell about the goodness of God or witness to them about who God is. You're not going to sell that. You're not going to sell that. We can't sell that to God. You know how I know we can't? Because some of us have people right in our own house, right in our homes that need the gospel. We got wives, we got husbands, we got children, we got aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, friends that we work with, people in our neighborhood. There's all kind of people that need the message of the gospel. And for you and I not to take that gospel and go out to a dying world and tell them they need Christ is a sin against God. Did you hear the song? Or did it go over our heads? The harvest is plenteous but the laborers are few. The world needs a message of the gospel. The problem is you and I are not willing to give out that message. And then we wonder. And you look at me and say, well, Pastor, you wonder why nobody's here. Well, what did we? Who did you? Who did I? invite. And if you did, don't give me this, well, I asked them, but they didn't come. Okay, that's one time. Don't make that the last time. Don't let the devil beat you. Well, you know, Pastor, I ask all kinds of people, they never come, so I'm not going to ask anyone. No, that's a lie from the devil. He's already, he's already defeated you so that you will never ask anybody else because somebody else didn't come that you ask. How many times did you do that to people that ask you? How many times did somebody ask you, would you consider coming to worship or come to our church and, or come to Sunday school or come? Would you just think about it? And you said, like everybody says to you, yeah, I'll come, knowing 
Well, I ain't coming. See people in Walmart, Kroger. Hey, would you? Yeah, I'll be. I'm, hey, guess what? I'm coming. I'm. I'll be there this Sunday, knowing that you're already lying. I'm ready for you to tell me I ain't coming. Just tell me I ain't coming. That's cool. Got it. You're not coming, but I'm praying for you, and I'll ask you again. But the devil says, "Don't, don't say nothing." I'm not. I'm not good at talking about Jesus. Well, I bet you can talk about Duke, North Carolina, Syracuse, Providence. The Wilmington Hurricanes, you can give me a blow-by-blow, play-by-play, quarter-by-quarter description of what happened and why they lost the game. And then you're going to tell me you and I can't talk about the good news of the gospel, how God saved you, brought you out of darkness, and put you in the marvelous light. We're going to have Good Friday service, and one of the things I want to ask of everybody that may come, and you may not come now that I say this, but that's on you, that ain't on me, is that what is it about the resurrection? What is it about Jesus that means so much to you? Stand up and say, you know what, Pastor, I want to thank the Lord for this Good Friday service. Because when I think about my life, as messed up as I am, when I think about that this Good Friday is about the the, the fact that Christ was put on the cross and died and is now buried in a tomb. And the world, the Romans and all those people that were there thought they had killed God. They thought God was dead. But oh, I'm so thankful that, Lord willing, this Sunday morning when I'm in church, I'm going to be able to celebrate the fact that my Jesus... See, I ain't worried about him being your Jesus. He's my Jesus. My Jesus got up with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And the fact that he got up out of the grave speaks to what he's done for me. I was once dead, but now I'm alive in Christ. And for that, I can celebrate and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't deserve it, but he did it anyway. The songwriter said he would not. Come down from the cross. You know why he didn't come down from the cross? He saw you if you're saved today. He saw you. I can't come down because Byron needs me to save him. And if I come off the cross, he won't be saved and he will deserve to be in hell because that's where all of man deserves to be. Our deserving needs to be in hell, but thanks be to God. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore... What's the therefore? you got to read the previous verses in chapter 7. There is therefore now no condemnation. In other words, I'm no longer condemned. There is therefore no longer no condemnation to them, and I'm part of the them, to them that are in Christ Jesus. I'm not condemned about anything. You can hold anything you want against me. Talk about me all you want. Tell me I'm a liar. Tell me I'm a cheat. Tell me I'm a backbiter. Tell me I'm a backstabber. Don't like me. Don't love me. Don't care about me. But one thing I know for myself, I'm not condemned. I'm not. I've been delivered. Past. Present. And future. I've been saved from the power of sin. I've been saved from the presence of sin. And I've been saved from the penalty of sin. You can't take that away from me. You try all you want. Go ahead and talk about me. That's, that's all right. 
I'm used to that. Have roast preacher on Sunday afternoon. You have roast beef, roast corned beef, fried chicken. You can have fried preacher, baked preacher, steamed preacher. It's all good. Character of our pardon, Romans 8.1. We're not in the competition. Last but not least, the privileges. We have passed out of death to life. We pass from death. The death, the spiritual death, it doesn't hold, I just told you, it holds nothing on me now. Why? Because I've passed from death to life. Is that what he does not tell us here? Believes in my word and him who said has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I have life. Now, present tense, I have life in him, but I also have life in the future. So that when if I physically die and you put me in the ground, I will get up again in Christ because he's going to call me forth. And he talks about that later on in this passage. He, he brings that out. If you read down, down there to 28, 29, he talks about doing good, doing evil. Those that do good, they resurrect. Their, their, they get their rewards. Those that do bad, do evil. They're, you get resurrected. And I close with this. I told the Sunday school class that there are two resurrections. The resurrection is for everybody. The resurrection is not just for believers and Christians. The resurrection is for everybody. There is coming a day. That every single person ever born in this world will have to stand before God. Everybody. Old Testament, from the beginning of time, will actually have to stand. Some to the judgment seat, and those of us to the Bema seat. Christians, those who know Jesus, we go to the Bema seat. That's where we figure out, God says, okay, these are your rewards for what you have done. Or you don't get some rewards because what you did not do. It has nothing to do with your salvation. Because once you're saved, once God quickens your heart and mind, once you've been bought by the price and the blood of Jesus, once you profess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, he's the Savior, he's the Messiah, he's the one that brings us back to God, once you and I believe in that, the Bible says you're saved. No man, Sunday school class, no man, woman, boy or girl, is able to take you out of the hand of God if you're in his hand. And guess what? You can't take yourself out of the hand of God. Amen, lights and walls. If you're saved, you're saved. Now, there's, that, there's two parts of that. Somebody says, well, Pastor, I sinned. Well, yeah, you sinned. You're messed up. Come on now. We're still in the world. Our practicality is we sin every day. But positionally, read Ephesians, we sit in heavenly places. I'm already in heaven positionally, but I lived out here on earth, so I got to face you, and you got to face me. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, you're a hard group to face. And guess what? Sometimes I'm a hard person to face, too. But through it all, I don't have it. I, if I was to die in the next five seconds, I'm, as sure as I'm standing here, I'm not worried about where I'm going to be. I never live my life thinking, am I saved or unsaved? Oh, God. I just said something I shouldn't have said. Oh, Lord, I just looked at that person the wrong way. Oh, Jesus, I just ignored that person. Oh, I had a bad thought. Mm. I just had a horrible thought about, I'm not saved now, am I? God, I'm not saved, right? Because I thought that thought, I'm not saved? No, I don't think like that. I said, Lord, 
by the blood of Jesus, I claim. You said it this morning. Every now and then, this really, sometimes some really strange thoughts come through my mind. I mean, it's, the odds of this from hell. It comes from hell. The devil just says in my mind some things. And I go, you know what? This is from the devil. Now, how am I going to fight this? I can give in to it or I can say, you know what, devil, get behind me. Amen. You know what? I know where this thought came from. This is from the pit of hell. It is written. Amen? Amen. I don't know. You see, I think some of you have already arrived. You got it. I'm trying to get to where some of you already are. Because some of us, they don't bother us. We, we, we good. I haven't I got there yet. I'm still struggling on some things. You know? I, I remember a lady told me one time, she said, there's a good-looking girl walking outside. And I went like, where? And she said, aha, gotcha, you look. And I told her, Sister Tammy, I said, why wouldn't I look? You told me there was a good-looking girl walking by. I'm like, well, who is she? Where is she? I'm going to look. I'm a man. I'm a male. Good-looking woman walk by? Oh, yep, that's a good-looking woman. Pastor, that's terrible that you would even look. You're married. you got a beautiful wife. Yeah, that's fine. But you know what? Beauty is beauty. And guess what, ladies? Some of you like handsome-looking men. See, there you go. Did you hear all that? Did you hear all that? Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you just let my wife likes Idris. Idris Alba. See, look at her. Just moving her head. Just like, oh, Jesus. He comes on the screen. She loses it. Gone. That's all right. Cool. You can have Idris all you want. All common, see? That's good. But guess what? At the end of the day, at nighttime, when it's time to go to bed, brother, ain't no Idris. It's me. <laughs> not Idris, not common, not any of these other. It's me. Amen? I'll never forget a lady sister told me one time, my husband, look, I just give him a big elbow. You ought to be thankful he's looking. Because in the world we live in today, that tells me he's a normal man. Because sometimes he may not be looking at the opposite. He may be looking at the same. And if that's the case, you got a problem. So if he looks or she looks, I just say, Lord, let her look. She goes out and we go out to dinner. She likes to flirt with the young little uh, Waiter, waitress, try to get her extra dessert and all that stuff. I just tell her, go ahead, sis. And one time we went out, and that's what happened. The young guy was like, go ahead, dude. You think you're really going to get something, don't you? Okay. And she got her extra piece of dessert. He said, man, I'll give you no charges. And I go, cool. Yeah. Because the bottom line is this. God wants us to do more than just hear God wants us to hear and believe. God wants you and he wants me to be obedient to his word. There's not a person in here right now that's perfect. We all have struggles. But I love God enough to realize one thing, that in the midst of my struggles, God is able, more than able, to see me through whatever it is I'm going through. 
Amen. Amen. And when Jesus was speaking to these people, even though they have plot, they're plotting right now to take him to the cross, he still did what he had to do. And what God wants from you and what God wants from me is that kind of determination that no matter what people say around us, no matter what the voices are coming in, the hearing that we hear, hear the right word. See, you can go to various churches, but you got to make sure the church that you're at has the word, the true, sincere word of God. I'm concerned when people move away and they go to, if I'm in church, I go to this church, I, I want to know, do they believe this book? Do they believe in the God of the book? Are they teaching the things according to Scripture? That's what I want to know. Because if they're teaching that, then you will grow and become whatever God wants you to be. Amen? Amen. We're not there. We're still under construction. And maybe there's somebody here today, right now, that wants to say, you know what? I've been coming to church all my life, and I never really thought about that I need a relationship. More than a relationship, I need Christ in my life. 24-7. 365. I need to be taught. You know, we talked about that when I talked about the church. We're to go out and make disciples, teaching them to observe all things. And he talks about, you know, a good disciple is somebody that avails themselves to the teaching. So you and I need to be taught what it means to be a disciple. How do you get taught? You get taught by being in a church that teaches and preaches the Word of God. That's how you learn to be a disciple. And I, I, I'm not going to say this because I, I think it. I know it. There are many of us that have our own conceptions on what church is. But you need to be coming to some of our classes. This coming week, read chapter 5 of uh, I Will, and you will be convicted. We'll be convicted. And you're going to have to be like David said, like Isaiah, here am I, Lord, send me. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. It's not my father, not my mother, not my brother or my sister, but it's me. It's me, oh Lord, that stands in the need of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. It's definitely more than hearing. It's all about hearing but believing, taking the sounds and the words and allow them to come across the altar of our heart. It's not the preaching of the word or my preaching that's going to change anybody, but it's a quickening power of the Holy Spirit that will take the words and energize them to enlighten our hearts and minds to say, you know what? I need to walk closer to the Lord. I've let a lot of other things, and they may be good things, but they're in the way of me really growing and becoming what the Lord wants me to be. Forgive us, Lord, for putting substitutes in our life that take away from us our walk with you, allowing other people to take from us the joy of our salvation. We let the circumstances, we let the happenings in our life determine whether we're happy or joyous, all because of what's going on. But, Lord, we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory when we trust and believe in you. You've been faithful in days past and gone. You're faithful in our life right now. And if you've done that, Lord, we can really count on you to be faithful in the days to come. Forgive us of our hard-headedness, our hard-hearted mindset that we're unwilling to move and bend 
and allow you to work in our life. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.